Hey guys, and welcome back to The Curious Curators. I'm Hope. And I'm Lindsay. And today, we have a fun one for you. I hope it's fun for you. Well, it's going to be fun for us, and really, that's all that matters. Ha <laughs> ha. That's true. Actually, we chose this particular podcast um, to give our biggest fan a little shout out. Our biggest fan is my mom. And it's Happy her- birthday, Hope's mom. Happy birthday. So this podcast is actually going to come out on her birthday. And we were like, Mom, what do you want to, like, what do you want to podcast about? And she was like, I don't know. So we chose for her. And what we chose is the history of cats. And we chose this because my mom rescues cats. My mom and my stepdad. And, like, not officially or anything, but they have five rescue cats. So they're a large part of everyone's life. And Lindsay also has cats. I have two cats, which is the limit my apartment allows. <laughs> and we had a museum cat, and I had a cat. My parents have her. And honestly, cats are just the internet. Right. So we are going to talk to you a little bit about our furry feline friends. Ooh, look at that alliteration. And let's just see where it goes. But first, can I just say that their Latin name is Felis Catus? Perfect. I know. Can I, can, I, can I just say my favorite cat quote of all time? Yes, please. In ancient times, cats were worshipped as gods. They have not forgotten this. That's from they Terry Pratchett. They have not forgotten this. So I was like, if that doesn't sum it up. I mean, it honestly, it really does. Like they cats still, cats are still worshipped by all of us. Just think about if you have a cat or if you've seen a cat and it just acts like it's a boss, and you're like, "Yep, well, all right, what can I do for you today?" Well, I do call Bilbo the queen, and I clean up her poop. So exactly. So we're. I mean, we still do everything cats want. Um, Have you ever seen the original Mummy movie? Yes. Do you remember the part where there's, like, that evil cat that, like, kills a dog and everyone's scared of the cat? He, like, attacks the dog. I don't know if the dog, I don't think the dog dies, but he attacks the dog, like, out on the street. No, I was thinking more along the lines of the mummy is scared of cats. Yeah, Imhotep. Um, in, like, the 1930 original, the cat is, like, vicious and, like, beats up a dog. and It's like a Persian. But, yeah, I, in the new one, Imhotep is afraid of cats as well until he regains his whole body, I guess. Wait, I thought there was an even newer one. I'm talking about Brendan Fraser. Yeah. Remember the cat is in the hotel room and Emotep is still like all holy? And he holds up the cat. Yeah, and he's afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a new mummy movie with Tom Cruise or something. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of interested in that. And the mummy's a girl. Yes. I'm interested in that, actually, because I loved The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Not so much The Emperor. The Scorpion something. The first two, though, were fantastic. But um, I think that's a great segue into domesticating cats. (laughs) All right, let's go right into the domestication of cats. Because they think that cats were first domesticated in the Near East, which does include Egypt and Turkey and, like, Western Asia. 
around 7500 BC. And they think the first cats were possibly domesticated in Egypt because cats were venerated there from 3100 BC. Well, they also think that they there is a possibility that um, that um, it could have happened in Cyprus. So in Cyprus, they found a grave that contained a a grave of a human that contained a cat with it. Um, and cats are not native to Cyprus. Like, they don't live on Cyprus. So this cat had to come from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so its presence in the grave indicates its importance within that culture. Um, so it believes that maybe even earlier that cats... And this, this grave was uh, 9,200 years old. Ooh. So, so they, they think it might have happened even earlier considering that they were bringing over cats to Cyprus from somewhere else. That's like, I could, you know, have you ever seen the pictures of like all the little Egyptian sand cats and stuff? And they're like yes. the cutest cats and also like the world's deadliest predators. <laughs> and I'm like, that's about right. They say that house cats are basically like the perfect predator. They just weigh pounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I was like, when I was reading about Egypt, I was like, okay, it's because Herodotus, the Greek, the Greek philosopher and right. writer and everything, um, had written that killing a cat was forbidden um, in ancient Egypt. And he said the same thing. And then my friend Nicola was like, this is my favorite cat fact. If your household cat died, everyone mourned. And you had to shave off your eyebrows in the morning. So, yeah, they, they do believe that maybe there was some domestication in the Fertile Crescent even before Egypt. Um, because they believe that it happened shortly after civilizations began to form. Um, and settlements happened because as they build up the surplus food, it attracted rodents, which attracted the cats that killed the rodents and so humans were interested in keeping those cats around um, to kill the rodents um, and one of the reasons that cats were so venerated it's believed one of the reasons cats were so venerated in Egypt uh, was that they were predators of venomous snakes oh. and like they would keep them on boats yeah to attack any to attack any venomous river snakes that would come up onto the boat like, the pharaoh is meant to be in charge of Egypt, but really, he's bossed around by his cat. Oh, I would, I, you know, I'm terrified of snakes, so I'm glad I have two vicious predators of snakes in my house. Which I'm sure they would do nothing except bat it with their foot. Yeah, I was thinking, like, my parents' cats, I don't think would try to save you from a snake. Or themselves, or each other, they would just be like, eh, I've got other things to do today. Um, and also, here's Bilbo. Hi, Bilbo. Um, the cat-headed deity, um, Mofdet, is actually the one, the, the thing that they perform in the pantheon is that they protect the pharaoh against snakes, scorpions, and evil. Just like real-life cats protected them against snakes. Yeah. And I could see protecting them against evil, because if you ever looked in some cat's eyes, like, they are evil incarnate. <laughs> well, it's just like the mummy movie. 
he was yes. scared of snakes. They pr- they protect you. Um, and cats all cats can be such good little protectors, honestly. Uh, I was reading when I was reading about good old Herodotus and his stories. I read that um, to the Greeks it was really surprising that people would domesticate cats because you know what the Greeks had as pets to kill rodents? Ferrets? Weasels. Weasels, I was close. They all, I think ferrets were also a thing. Could you imagine like grabbing a weasel from outside and throwing it in your house? Whoa. I mean, to be fair, cats, like some of those cats are like quite vicious creatures, so maybe. There was a coin that was found, and it was from the mid fifth century and it was a greek coin and on the coin were like rulers playing with their pet cats oh so i mean like also my coin if i were to have one like, oh yeah me holding like an animal but i think that that's so interesting that pet portraits were a thing in the fifth century well i mean um they were often mummified and buried with their owners and things like that. So actually they had their own cat cemeteries too in Egypt. Yeah, you could like get your cat mummified and bring it to a cat cemetery. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Like, I mean, I think it's great. I just think it's like interesting. Um, And I did see that later the Greeks began to associate the goddess Artemis with cats. Um, because, you know, like, they, people would take, um, I think this is quite common in most, like, types of mythology and early religion, is that they would take something that was well-known from someone else and put it with one of their deities or something in order to make it familiar to other people. So, eventually, the Greeks made Artemis associated with cats because the Egyptians would have already done that. And, you know, as, like, Greece would spread around and everything, or as the Romans started to spread around, because they even found mosaics of cats in Pompeii. Well, Artemis is the goddess of the hunt, and cats are such great little hunters. Exactly. I mean, it works out really well. Here comes Bilbo into my lap. But I did see that, like, let's fast forward a bunch. Um, In the Middle Ages this like attribute of being surrounded by cats was given to the Virgin Mary. And then oh. in folklore, on the night Mary gave birth to Jesus, a cat in Bethlehem gave birth to a kitten. Um, and cats usually I think have kittens like in uh, not late December. <laughs> but I don't know, I think it's I think it's interesting how far back like cats well so important remember though that it wasn't until later that christmas that the birth of christ was associated with december they believe he was actually born in april so that would have made sense right i guess that's true but i mean like what are the chance clearly i'm thinking too much of this what are the chances that only one cat would have a kitten that day and it would be one kitten if any Italians are listening, you just let us know, honey. But no, um, I also found like a quote from Aristotle who like writes about animals. So a lot of these, in case anyone's curious, a lot of these Greek like philosophers and writers literally just wrote about everything. They, I mean, they really did. They had yeah. so much time. That, that must, 
I'm not going to be rude and say that must have been all that they did, but, like, honestly. But he said female cats are naturally lecherous. Oh. Bilbo, did you hear that? <laughs> I know. I'm like, just a female once, though. Yeah. So I don't know what you would say. I don't know what he said about a male cat. I was, I've read enough ancient Greek translations to last me a lifetime, so I am 100% done with that. So, then, so you go ahead. I was going to say, if I'm moving past you, I was going to say in the Dark Ages. Oh, yes, the Dark Ages. Um, the time that wasn't real, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, cats became associated with witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were popular within pagan religions, like we talked about the Greek Artemis, yeah. Roman Diana, um, the Egyptian Bastet. Um, so they were thought to be witches familiars. Um, and they were linked to witches and Luciferians. And then there were these stories that the devil would appear in the form of a black cat to witches. Um, and it belie- it's believed that cats were condemned to death alongside their witches. And, like, owning a cat was one of the reasons you could be accused of being a witch. Yeah, I, um, I think that's, like, that's a theory that I still been run with today when I was, like, reading about witches um, and familiars. Who is the most well-known, like, witch that comes around now? And what is her familiar? Sabrina. Sabrina. And she's got and a black cat. Salem. Yeah. Um, and I, think I mean, we all associate witches with black cats. And just black cats for some reason. But orange cats. I say in reference to my parents' orange cat. But yeah, <laughs> Salem um, was even considered to be a witch that was punished by being turned into a cat ah. um, in the like 90s adaptation and like the job of cats as familiars was to protect young witches until they fully came into their powers wow so i can only assume that getting rid of the cat meant that you were like making the witch like more accessible to like being hurt or killed or caught or anything else so cats yep. were very there are very um, different reasons that they're associated with witches. Some say it's they that's the form of the devil, just like a big black dog, a black cat, um, a goat. You know, these things could be the form of the devil. Or there are some sort of messengers from the witch to the devil. Yeah, and then, well, and you have to think, like, cats also became, like, heavy in superstition. Um, it, this actually comes from Europe, and it comes... Did I write down why? Um... Yeah, if a black cat crosses your path. So the original superstition was that you it would have to cross your path in moonlight. And if this happened, you would die of an epidemic illness. Oh. And this also comes from the time of the Black Plague. Right. Um, so, so really, probably everybody who ever had a black cat cross their path in the moonlight did die because... Lots of people died. What, one-third of Europe? Yeah, so there must have been a lot of black cats around when that was happening. Like, I guess European folklore has a lot of focus on cats, and that was very bad for cats. 
um, because it's not like they just didn't like them. They were they were horrible to them. Um, a lot of cats were killed. France and Belgium were extremely bad about that, and they said Louis the. Uh, there were a lot of Louis. For some reason, I'm thinking the 14th. I could be wrong. Apparently, once burned a bunch of cats wearing a flat. He pranced up with a flower crown. Okay. And that he, sounds like the 14th. Yeah. But also, like, how is he not the one that got decapitated? But, you know, neither here nor there. He probably started the idea of the revolution, if people see in that. But yeah, <laughs> we'll like, talk about the French Revolution. That's a whole other topic. A whole other can of worms. Um, during, the, during a plague outbreak in the 17th century, and that's not talking about previously, um, cats were ordered to be killed alongside dogs. Um, and more than 100,000 dogs and cats were killed. Yeah, because... Um, they thought they were the carriers of the plague. Yeah, when in actuality, it was helpful to have dogs and cats because they... Because it was... Yeah, because they killed the rats. And is that around the same time when, they, when it was like miasma, like bad air? Oh, yeah, or, miasma, yeah. Miasma. That's what was really giving you the plague, just some bad air. Bad air, yeah. And, I mean, it's so interesting how, or to me it's so interesting how things can go from being, like, legitimately revered to, like, being killed just because. But I think, like, cats were pretty prevalent, I would think, in, like, a lot of mythologies uh, before this dark age, like, cat hatred. Because is it Freya that was, her chariot was pulled by cats? That would make sense. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure on that part of Norse mythology. I think it's her. Her chariot was like pulled by cats, which I mean, I think is great. I would also. Oh, that's great. Pulled by cats. Honestly, I, I don't think you're going very far, but <laughs> unless they're like lions. Right. Right. That lions are different. Well, lionesses, because male lions just lay around all day. The lionesses are the hunters. Except for the ghost in the darkness. My favorite lions. Clearly, I've, if only you knew how many times I'd seen that movie, you would feel sorry for me. But I was also, like, looking into, like, the nine lives, like, phenomenon that people believe about cats. And apparently, like, some countries, I would say, like, clearly the countries that, like, you know, we deal with all the time, think that cats have nine lives. But then some think seven, and I think, or even six. So it's not, nine lives is not like a... The universal number. Yeah, and I've always heard nine. Uh, But apparently this comes from the fact that cats are like kind of wily, like move really fast and everything, and also can often, like from relatively short distances, land on their little feetsies. So... I don't know, I think it's so interesting that they're like, oh, they must have nine lives. Well, and cats cats have significance in a lot of different places as well. Um, you know, in Japan, there is significance. Um, they're thought to be thing, good luck. Um, I know in other countries, too, black cats are good luck. Yeah, and I always feel so bad for, like, black cats, black dogs as well, because, like, they're often, like, the last adopted and everything, because of all the stigma that's attached to them. 
But I read that in a Jewish legend, the first cat lived in the house of Adam. Yeah, so actually in um, Islamic tradition, cats are extremely important as well. Muhammad liked cats. Um, there's a story of one of his followers who loved cats so much. I can't remember his name, but his name meant like the man with the cats. I'm like, if that, if that ain't me. Um, and there are stories, and I, I've seen this both in um, Japanese art and stories and Islamic art and stories that in order to not wake a cat that was sleeping on his sleeve, like he cut off the sleeve. Yeah, or like wouldn't wear his cloak outside in the cold if a cat was asleep on it in the house. Yeah. And it's, it's believed that those like tabby cats that have the little M above their eyes, that's an M for Muhammad. And cats are cats are considered like ritually clean creatures as well, and they're that's why um, they allow cats to just wander up inside mosques and everything, and they just they'll take care of them and let them hang out. Which I love, like I love that people do that. That's it's good when like stray animals aren't really stray; they're just allowed to wander. Yeah, I think I think as long as their their population is controlled, like the ferals, as long as their population is controlled, like you spay and neuter them and let them go back out into the world, you know they can they can keep the rodent population down. I know that they are invasive species in certain places, um, but I mean we did that, you know, as humans. We took them everywhere. They were on boats everywhere. And they're actually, I think, domestication, they believe that there are two different lineages. Um, one from, I think, it was the African wildcat. Um, and there was another one that was domesticated in Europe. Um, because they would be taking, they would be taken on things like uh, Viking ships. Um just like every other, like, they were taken on vessels a lot for rodent control. Um, yeah, and so there's to the New World. Yeah. Ship, probably. Yeah, so they traveled the world, and eventually the lines crossed. But there were, it might have been the African wildcat and maybe um, an Egyptian cat. I don't remember um, off the top of my head, but there were two different lines that eventually merged. Um, but we still have cats on vessels today and uh, one of the ones that I read about was Unsinkable Sam from World War II. Fantastic. Um, so on May 27th, 1941, a German battleship, the Bismarck, sank after a firefight with the HMS Cossack, which is a British ship. Um, only 118 of the 2200 crew members survived. And so the British began to collect the survivors as prisoners of war and found one little black and white cat. Um, they took the cat aboard their vessel and they named him Oscar. I don't know why he became known as Sam, but they named him Oscar. Very British name. <laughs> and he became the ship cat. However, five months later, uh, the Cossack was damaged by a torpedo from a German U-boat. And Oscar survived that sinking. Like, they found him afterwards floating on debris. And that's when they started calling him Unsinkable Sam. Um, and he was 
later brought to Gibraltar and served aboard three more vessels before coming to serve on the HMS Ark Royal, which also sank after a U-boat torpedo. And once again, they found Oscar alive. Oscar did have nylon. He really did. And so they they got they retrieved him and they decided after this they weren't gonna push it anymore. And he was he was retired. And this isn't like a bad ending. He went to the Belfast home for sailors for retired and like injured sailors. And he died 14 years later. Oh my gosh. Poor Sam, the unsinkable so, and the unsinkable Molly Brown. This, yeah, this cat was immortal. Do you remember hearing about, um, it's a hermitage museum in Russia, and they have cats in there, and, like, they have jobs, and there's also, like, a keeper of the cat's job that one has. Dream job. Yeah, like, their job is, I think, kind of to keep the mice away, but... Also, they're just, they're like workers of this hermitage. It's a big museum. Um, not that I've ever been to it, but it's meant to be like a big museum and they have cats. So they can keep, I, I assume it's probably like a very old building, you know, like, I always just assume very drafty buildings. So, um, you know, to keep the mice out, but also my dream job is to just be the girl that like watches the museum cats. Oh, yeah, I want to be the keeper of the cats. I feel like that's my job anyways. True. I always love that. There was also a couple years ago, I don't know, it could have been last week, um, just the way that life is going. There was this Japanese museum, I think, and there was, like, a stray cat that lived outside of it, and the cat would try to go in every day, and the security guard would always, like, try to push him back, and he would just stand in front of the door, and it was automatic, and it was so <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of variations of that story that are true. That are true. They're just everywhere. Because they're cats. I mean, let... They do what they want. I mean, they do. Being honest, you know what my favorite Disney movie is? The Aristocats. Aristocats. (laughs) Oh, like the Aristocats. A lady doesn't start fights, but she ends them. Actually, I am Marie. Um, yes, you are. <laughs> but my fa- that is one of my favorite movies. Thomas O'Malley, The Alley Cat. Let- I absolutely, I, wa- I probably watch that like every six months. Just for old times sake. I love the Aristocats. Um, if actually- I'm being honest, I used to be a dog person. Oh, I'm still 100% a dog person as well. I love, I, I love dogs, don't get me wrong. But now I am equally a dog and a cat person now that I have cats. I think it's easier to love dogs that aren't yours than cats that aren't yours. But once your cats are yours, you love them to pieces. It's just that for me, cats fit better into my lifestyle. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, I know that you do walk your cat, but you don't have to walk your cat. Right. Um, And cats are very self-sufficient creatures. Like, they don't need constant attention of they usually don't want it yeah Um, whereas dogs usually want and need like constant attention um so what i actually read there was a study to try to see self-identified cat people and dog people and their personality types 
Um, so they had them take personality tests and identify as like I'm a cat person or a dog person and whether you owned them or not. Um, and I always, you know, the stereotype is that dog people are very extroverted and friendly and cat people are very introverted and quiet. Right. Which is crazy because my mom is the biggest dog person I've ever met and she's extremely introverted. And actually the correlation, it was even between introverts and extroverts, but between people who like having a scheduled life preferred dogs and people who preferred a spontaneous flexible life preferred or had cats yeah because then because like with a dog like you have you do the same things the same time every day and that is definitely the difference between me and my mom we're both introverts but she has very scheduled regimented routine life she likes it that way the dogs like it that way but for me, I have a very, not anymore, I mean, not during COVID, yeah. but in general, I have more of a flexible, spontaneous. Yeah. You know, I might decide five minutes from now, you know what, I want to go to the movies. Right. Not during COVID. But yeah. pre-COVID, I might be like, you know what, I'm going to go to the movies right now. Or I'm going to stay later at this place. Yeah. Or I'll stay here tonight because I can. Or yeah. like your mom, whatever. Yeah, I remember um, when I had a dog, like, I, so when I had my dog, I worked two jobs, uh, but I would mostly work on the two jobs. I would work, like, 9 to 5, and then I would work a graveyard shift on the weekends, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., and even on days that I had to go into that graveyard shift, I would have to walk Bell for, like, an hour after my first job yeah so you're you're like cutting down like you have to do that and they have to go out like sam my mom's dog wakes my poor mother up at like five o'clock in the morning and like when we changed into daylight savings time yeah he doesn't get it oh no i mean you know it's four o'clock in the morning and sam is like excuse me like we're going out and the cats I mean, they sleep, what, 20 hours a day? <laughs> so, like, I mean, to be fair, like, Ed Tom will occasionally just, like, grab things with his paws and chunk them across the room. Um, but I think that is just more about his personality than him being a cat. My my cats definitely wake me up for breakfast. Oh, okay, okay so my parents free me, but yeah. Yeah, my cats get scheduled eatings because Smaug will consume, Smaug the Unquenchable will consume everything in his path if you leave it out. Yeah. I love it. He'll eat everything. We, um, I know, I say we because, like, I still consider, even though I've never lived in my parents, this house my parents are and everything, like, it's our, fa- it's our house, it's our cats, like, what is theirs is mine. Um. So they have um, the, the two brother cats are Ed, Tom, and Joey. And when they were kittens, Joey like got out and got lost, literally thirty feet from the house for like two weeks, because he's not the smartest creature you will ever um, encounter. But ever since then, if he sees the bottom of his food bowl, he doesn't eat constantly. But if he sees the bottom of it, he just cries horribly loudly and reaches out and grabs you with his claws um so of course like my parents cater to that a bit and like keep food in the bowl because like 
cats scream loudly if they really want to, you know, and and he's a nice cat, but actually he's the sweetest cat. He's like very overweight, has a thyroid problem, has like gross hair, like a gross tail, and these huge sad eyes, like a little Australian like marsupial. Oh, Joey. I wish Joey lived with me. We would have a ball. Except for I don't have a kitchen table, so I'm not sure where he would live. But, like, <laughs> I think cat stories are fantastic. Um, I do think that definitely it's true that cats believe that they should still be worshipped. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also think that cats are some of the smartest creatures that I ever spend time with. Um, and you can just look in their little black eyes and tell that they are smarter than you. Some cats. Like, I would believe that with Bilbo. Like, when I look in Ed Tom's little eyes, like, I just know that he is plotting my demise. And if only he had opposable thumbs, he could probably figure it out. And it, it's... Like, he taught himself to use the toilet. Like, he is very smart. He can open locked doors. Like, oh, good. It is a problem. Like, he, like, they get, just shake the doors until they open. I don't know, like, cats are, cats are smart creatures. I will always give them that. Some of them. Uh, Smaug doesn't have two brain cells to rub together, but Bilbo's got the smarts. She's smart enough for both of them. Yes, she is. And he's... He's my special boy. <laughs> oh, like, I just... I definitely um, would... If I was... So I'm not allowed to have pets. If I was allowed to have pets here, I would definitely have a cat. Um, but my landlord said no. I mean, what do you do? Yep. I feel well, like everyone keeps rescuing cats and everything, and I think that's great. Yes. That's all I have about cats. That is all I have about cats as well. Um, so I guess we will go ahead and end it here, and we will see you guys next week. And thank you to our biggest fan. Yes, Mom. Thank you so much for watching, liking, and sharing literally everything. You are the real MVP. <laughs> all right. Bye, guys. Bye.